Hi, and welcome to Walk Talk, a podcast courtesy of the Wound, Ostomy, and Continence Nurses Society. Walk Talk is your opportunity to learn more about advocacy, education, and research that support the practice and delivery of expert healthcare to individuals with wound, ostomy, and continence care needs. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jody Scardillo. Welcome to this week's edition of Walk Talk. I'm your host, Jody Scardillo. As a WOC nurse, I'm always excited and really enjoy going to meetings and conferences and being able to speak with other WOC nurses about how they function within their organizations, how they maximize their role, how they manage their workload on a day-to-day basis, and sometimes even how people have gotten other walk positions within their facilities. To that end, today we're sitting down with Ekta Vora. Ekta is a certified wound and ostomy nurse at a major metropolitan medical center, and she and a colleague were able to do a proposal to obtain more WOC positions, and she's also going to chat with me about some of the things they're doing now that they do have more WOC help within their organization. Thanks for joining me, Ekta. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always excited to talk to walk nurses in clinical practice because that's what I do. And I'm always interested to hear about your role and your position and how you do things at your organization. A lot of the reason we decided to have you on is because you were very successful in obtaining additional WOC positions in your organization, from what I understand. Yes, that's right. So tell us a little bit about your walk role and your position and your department and all that kind of stuff. I am a wound and ostomy nurse certified at a large urban academic institution. The role that I play is basically covering patients from neonates all the way up to geriatrics and everything in between. So we're looking at patients that have wounds and ostomies, surgical wounds, all types of lacerations, fistulas, basically the stuff that wound and ostomy nurses do. I also have the opportunity to sit on several committees as well. So it's really a dynamic role and there's a lot of leadership opportunity as well. So I chair different committees. We're involved with the quality committee and we also play a role in things like standardization across the enterprise in terms of products. And we also help develop criteria. So for example, the specialty bed criteria. So for patients, on the units, who would be appropriate for that. The WCN team also develops policies as well. And most recently, we developed a consult criteria, basically to have a guideline for providers as to when is it really appropriate to consult a woundedostomy nurse. So lots of different hats, but enjoy all of them. That's great. So how long have you been a WOC nurse? So this fall, it'll be six years. And what drew you to our specialty? What I love about the specialty is the ability to combine art and science for patients. You have to be so creative, so resourceful, and really have this solution mentality when treating a wound or an ostomy patient. Additionally, it's really that close connection, too, that I'm able to develop with patients. I think especially for patients that have ostomies, They have to learn this new normal and this new way of life. And it's a very intimate experience. So that's something that definitely draws me because you become their primary resource. And it's just an incredible feeling to help these patients. 
For sure. And now you work in an urban area. And so tell us like how many beds your hospital is and any particular populations that you have expertise in. Tell us a little bit about that kind of thing about your hospital. We are an approximately, it's 900 beds. And so we serve a wide variety of populations. Like as I mentioned, so from neonates to the geriatric population and really everything in between, we get a decent amount of NICU cases with ostomies. And then of course, pediatrics, adolescents, and then working our way up to adults in the Jerry population. So we really do see an array of all kinds of wounds and all kinds of ostomies and fistulas and surgical wounds and things of that nature. And the WOCNs, we cover all of those units inpatient. And I have to say, we're so fortunate and I'm so fortunate to work in an institution where people from all different walks of life are coming through those doors. So various different backgrounds, ethnicities, just exposed to so much. And do you cover outpatient areas and episodic areas in the emergency department or how does that work where you are? We do cover the emergency room for sure. So that's definitely part of our area that we cover like inpatient. So there was a time actually we were covering the outpatient clinic as well, but usually that's not something that we would be doing, but there was a time where we were helping support them. Wow, that's great. So you are busy. Yes. <laughs> and then you were short-staffed. And so that's what kind of got us to this conversation. So you had a lot of growth and you shared some numbers with me and your ostomy consults were up by like 50% in two years. So you had a lot of volume and it didn't sound like a lot of staff. And so you worked through a proposal with your director to help get more help. So can you tell us about that? Because I think a lot of other people are in a position like that and would love to have the benefit of your experience with that. One of the main reasons we decided to do this proposal was because the WOCNs lost grant funding for three WAC positions. So we went from five FTEs, which is full-time equivalent positions or WAC positions, to two. And the volume of patient visits continued to increase while having limited resources. So given this demand for WAC nursing and our expertise, it was really important that we measure that demand and understand cost savings. And so because our colorectal department, GI and urology department they're nationally recognized, internationally as well. And there's just really talented and renowned surgeons. I feel really fortunate to work at a place like this. They're attracting all of these patients. And so with that, you have these really strong WOCNs. And like I said, developing that relationship with the patient is paramount to us. And so that caused this increase in volume of patients. And so looking at some of the numbers, when you looked at the ostomy patient population, and I'll take you back to 2014, we actually saw a growth of like 257% patient visits, which is wow. really astounding. And then our wound patients, there was an estimated growth of 138% in 2018. So we didn't have data prior to that. So we had all of that happening. So we knew we had to do something. So did you go into the literature to see what you could find in there? Besides your own data, how else did you get information to support this proposal that you were doing? We did a lit search, and I have to tell you, it was very difficult to find strong evidence that supported a WOCN to patient ratio. And I remember learning about it in school when I was getting my certification, but I was really looking for some strong evidence 
and just wasn't able to identify any and my colleagues as well. That basically led to our team doing a market survey of 10 to 12 institutions in regards to scope and workload. So each member reached out to the WOCNs at large academic institutions that are nationally and on a local market survey of academic and teaching hospitals to get just a better understanding of how many positions were filled and the amount of patient visits that were conducted on a yearly basis, if that was all available. And I bet you got quite a bit of information from those queries. Can you tell us a little bit about what things struck you about what you found out? I will first start off by saying it's so important to go to your chapter meetings, to connect with other colleagues really across the nation, because it's so true. We're a small community and you never know when somebody can help you out or be of assistance. So it was really great that everybody was so open to sharing information and being helpful. So for example, with one of the institutions, it was a 900 bed institution, very similar to ours. And they had 5.5 FTEs or 5.5 WAC. And once this data was collected, it was given to our director of nursing. So that was just one of the statistics that we had pulled up. So when we saw that, we were like, okay, we got to put this into action. And you mentioned also you used the WOCN salary survey, which I think was in about 2016. And that helped with the project too. What kind of data did that give you that helped you with this proposal? The 2016 salary survey, it was a really good litmus test for workload productivity and how WOCNs across the country are compensated. So this was useful for our director when she presented this to the budget committee and further solidified our case. And most specialty nursing associations, they have recommended staffing guidelines. But like I said before, it was kind of difficult for at least for us to find that within the WOCN. And then how long did this whole project take? So by the time you started to gather this data from colleagues and all that, and by the time you actually got these positions approved, what kind of a time frame was all of that? We're basically looking at, it was like a year, a little over a year, because in 2017, we had lost the positions. And then in May of 2018, we were approved the additional positions. And I will say, and I'll add to this, was that it was really important that this data be collected because it gave our director of nursing several tools in her arsenal. She was really able to summarize and review this trended and benchmarking data. And so it facilitated making the case that an additional four positions were really necessary in order to impact patient outcomes and increase patient experience. That's great. Was part of the proposal you mentioned addressed an increase in hospital-acquired pressure injuries in the ICUs, and you could relate it to when those positions were lost? You had good data to note the time frame when the positions were gone and that increase was happening. That's right, exactly. So because we were tracking the data, we were able to basically link that together. And so when our director presented this data to the budget committee, she really focused on happy prevention and the increased cost of happies. And as we know, according to AHRQ, each happy can cost an estimated cost of $43,000 and more. So even with the addition of these four positions, the institution would realize a cost savings. And so did you do like an official business plan or you presented this data to your director and she kind of ran with it? How did that all happen in terms of what you provided besides the data? It was a really interesting experience. So we gathered this data because obviously we were out on the units and doing the patient care, but 
my director put together a business plan with all of our findings. We kept track of our data in regards to number of patient visits, and we split it up between wounds and ostomies and really split it up into different sections too. So whether it was pressure injuries or it was a wound assessment for ostomies, it was stoma markings, fistulas. And at that time also, we were helping cover any outpatient requests. So our director involved the team in the process and was really transparent throughout. And so I think that was great because it helped us understand the importance of tracking. And so essentially the goal was so that the WOCN learn and understand the impact of our role. And so to create this burning platform of, okay, what's exactly needed to develop a business plan and then measure this return on investment. So that was a great learning experience for you all, I bet. Absolutely. And for me, it was an opportunity to be more analytical and look at data in a different way. And that's not something I've really done before. I think many of us are so busy running around taking care of patients. Yeah. And then we look at the numbers and are amazed and we don't really always analyze them to the degree that you just mentioned. Exactly. And so was there one part of that proposal that you think really sold this beside the volume and the happy? Is there anything else that you think was important about that that ensured that this was a successful proposal and you got your positions? I think definitely the patient visits. We talked about that and also obviously the happy prevention because those are the main pieces of the puzzle for acquiring positions. At least it was for us because those dollar amounts are astounding. And if their resources available, they can certainly serve as an agency of change. Even in 2019, the WOCN's completed 4,318 wound patient visits. I mean, those are big numbers. They sure are. That's great. So now you had your positions approved. And so did you get four positions? That's what my impression was. Is that right? Yes. And so tell us about that. Did you get four new people all at once? And how did that all work? That's a really good question. We boarded actually one at a time. One was an internal transfer. Two were experienced WOCNs. And one was a brand new WOCN. It really was a mixed skill level, which was actually really nice. It was very balanced. And WOCNs that were experienced really served as a wonderful resource and guide. They brought their expertise, which was in home care and long-term care. And so that really helped enhance our team in practice. And then the new WOCN, it's great to have a fresh pair of eyes looking at the processes and patient situation. And sometimes I feel like they have this level of creativity that maybe somebody who's been in the role for a long time may not always have because they're brand new. So really nicely balanced. That's great. So how did you orient those people? Were the orientation processes different depending on the level of experience of the person that you got? Well, we like to actually keep our orientation process standardized. And so one thing that my colleague did is that she developed a WOCN orientation checklist with the use of the WOCN scopes and standards. So this was really great because it helped to standardize the entire team in how the orientation process is done. Orientation is six weeks long, one week is spent in the classroom, and the rest of the time is with the preceptor learning, obviously, about the institution, learning the WOCN processes, the units, etc. So now you went from a team of two to team of six. And what kind of strategies did you use to develop a new team like that? Did you have anything that you liked that you thought was successful in building a cohesive work group? In order to 
honestly, I feel have a successful cohesive work group or just a successful team, it's really important to create the sense of community and have just an open line of communication. I think the experienced walk nurses have to be open to what the new walk nurses are saying and vice versa and be able to talk about patient cases and ultimately what is the best level of care and what's the highest level of quality that we can provide for patients. And even though we're small, we're mighty. <laughs> yeah, I think most walk teams are. Yes, absolutely. And so tell me a little bit, you mentioned also that you had walk nurses assigned to targeted units, particularly for happy prevention. So talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, how you assigned that person for how long? Was it like a go in and swoop in and fix the problems and leave? Or was it, are they still there? Or just, can you explain how you do that there? Because I always wonder how if we are doing the right thing where I am. That's a great question. So I actually think having targeted units for a longer period of time, it's really beneficial for a number of reasons. I think I can speak for the whole team when I say this, that it really helps create partnerships with the unit managers, the unit council chairs, skin champions, staff nurses, and the physician leaders. It's just a wonderful way to build this strong alliance and you partner with the targeted units. And then there was just a more meaningful dialogue in regards to happy prevention, especially. Additionally, a plan of action can be constructed and all members of the team are on board. And then the initiatives are focused on the specific patient population of that unit and the level of skill of that team. And also you're able to develop this incredible relationship with the interdisciplinary team, whether that's the respiratory therapist, physical therapist, occupational therapist, etc. I wasn't necessarily sure about having targeted units, but once we got into the flow of it, I have to say it made a huge difference. I bet the walk team likes that too, because you get to know all the players and you know their belief patterns and the unit culture. And then you're really seen as the expert if you're there all the time. I would think that that would be really good and efficient way to implement our role as WOC nurses. That's exactly right. And you become that resource for that unit. And like I said, it's just this incredible alliance that you develop with them. And the staff nurses, they're really looking for you. When you go on that unit, oh my gosh, I just saw this. I looked at this with the skin champion. What do you think? So it also helps drive engagement on that unit because there's consistency in this continuity of care. Yeah. And then they know when you're coming in to look for you, I bet too. Exactly. That's great. And then you also mentioned you did some work with your emergency department. Can you talk a little bit about what you did with them? and how that all went? We've always consulted in the emergency department. And then most recently, we're partnering with them as well. So it's really important to create skin awareness in the ED as they really are the first set of providers assessing the patient. So our current goal is to develop an ED prevention bundle. Oh, nice. So that will be, will they score the patient or you probably don't even know yet maybe, but will they do a Braden score or look at the patient or are you having any ideas yet how you're going to implement that? So we're working through some of those processes because we want to make sure, obviously, it's conducive to the ED, but also there's a thorough skin check that's being done. So we're trying to kind of iron out those details. And then you mentioned you have skin champions in your organization too. So how does that work there? Are they unit-based or are there more than one per unit? Or what's your model with that in your hospital? 
So the skin champions, yes, they are unit based and preferably one on day shift and one on night shift. And of course, there could be more on either or shift. And so the skin champions actually attend a skin resource program that's run by the WOCNs in alliance with nursing education. And there's an all day CEU that focuses on prevention, skin care, dressings, and all sorts of wounds and things of that nature. I bet they love that, the skin champions. Oh, yes, absolutely. And their engagement is so important because if the WOCN, let's say, is not there or can't be present on a unit, then that's the next go-to. So it's really important to develop them and that they've definitely helped so much because they're also involved in prevalence rounds and being part of the skincare council as well. And you said that you were able to expand a lot of the educational offerings that you were able to provide. Can you talk a little bit about what you did with that? Anything interesting or creative we might want to know about? I think education really focused on that, like you said. And so a lot more in services, we did product fairs. So it was great to have all the vendors in one place. And we had the nurses go through on pressure injury prevention day, we had a really successful fair there as well. We had posters on pressure injury prevention, moisture associated skin damage. We had the bed set up and people were getting in the bed and feeling what it feels like to actually be a patient and being turned. So it was really interactive. And so now we have the opportunity to do things like that. But it's great because nurses, they want to get their hands on things. I know, at least I've always felt that way. They want to see what things feel like and what happened, all that. So it's been really great to be able to do that. Don't you find you learn a lot as a WOC nurse, just from the questions they ask, and you can really kind of fine tune what they need for education too, just by chatting with people at those kind of things. Absolutely. You learn so much and it helps us identify any knowledge gaps, which is so important. And we make it fun too. We have the wheel of prevention with questions and answers and raffle prizes. So it was really fun. Oh, that sounds like fun. It's always good to have prizes too. Always, always. And snacks, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So now what are you doing as far as data collection goes now? Are you continuing to collect the same type of data that you were collecting that helped you get these positions? Or are you doing anything in addition? Or how does that look now? It's more or less the same. So we're collecting happy incidences prevalence, number of wound care visits, and ostomy patient visits. I think the key here is really the happy incidences because that really gives us a good clinical picture of what is going on. And it's really important to know that number. So it's more or less the same in terms of data collection, but it's great because now we can kind of evaluate for our ostomy patients like, okay, maybe we need to see them more often or something needs to be changed in their plan of care. So it's allowing us to do that. That's great. So are you getting most of your data out of your electronic health record? Or are you having to do some of that manually yourselves? Or how does that work for you? So a lot of it is manual. Yeah, us too. I wish there was an easier way, but this is what worked. Just keeping track every day and just being super diligent about it. This is what helped us attain, or at least part of the process in attaining those additional positions. So now earlier when we were chatting, you said something about developing consult criteria. That has really piqued my interest because it's where I am. We get a lot of consults that maybe a provider or a bedside RN could 
address and we have consults. And so sometimes we think they just check it on the admission orders when the patient comes in. So can you talk about that a little bit and tell us what you're doing and how you think that's going to go? Because that's kind of an interesting idea to maximize the effectiveness of the WOC nurse team. We've been working together to develop this criteria. And so basically, for example, let's say a patient comes in with venous stasis ulcers. Of course, we can certainly recommend a dressing to help with some drainage, but if they haven't had ABIs done or the proper diagnostic testing, then really they need to be seen by the vascular service. So that's one example that's on there. Or let's say a patient who's got a diabetic foot wound. Again, same thing. We can certainly recommend dressings, but they probably need to be seen by podiatry, especially if they need debridement. So it's developing criteria such as that. So basically looking at the patients that we see, it's pressure injury patients, your ostomy patients. So whether it's stoma marking or speaking to them about what life is like with an ostomy, postoperatively, it's education about how to change the pouching system troubleshooting ostomies, any issues with leakage, fistula management. I think it's developing a criteria so people understand what it is that we do. Because sometimes, like you said, you get consulted and it's like a scratch. And that's not an appropriate patient for us to change the band-aid, please. (laughs) Exactly. Or let's say, for example, a routine pouching system change, which we are confident that the staff nurses can do. And of course, if somebody's never done it before or they need help, that's a different story. But I think that criteria is built around the things that we do and the interventions that we provide. So it's a little bit of an education along with helping to manage your workload. It's telling the person what's appropriate to consult you for while then hopefully only consulting you for those things that really require WOC nurse expertise. Absolutely. I would never expect a staff nurse to do a colostomy irrigation or a rod removal or an ileostomy lavage. None of that makes sense for the staff nurse, but for a certified ostomy nurse, absolutely. That's a great idea. So tell me if your workflow has changed with your new colleagues or how it's changed since you have all these new people. It seems like your quality of work life must be much better with more help. But how has that all been for you? The workload has definitely changed so much ever since we have additional people. I think it's great because we have more time to focus on things like education, tailor-made in-services, and these fairs. And then also focusing on publishing, doing posters, abstracts, So developing ourselves professionally. So it's been really wonderful because all of us can put our heads together and figure out all these new ways of doing things and getting that out into the world. This podcast is one of those examples. Oh, I'm so glad you came up with this idea. It's a great idea. Thank you. I've heard a lot of poster ideas and all the things we've been talking about in the last little bit with some of these projects that you're doing. It sounds like you have several posters in the making, at least. Well, I like the sound of that. (laughs) So what do you see for the future of your department? It sounds like you have a bright future and a lot of really great things going on. So now that you've been through all this and are kind of moving forward, how do you see the department working and developing as we move forward? 
I think as a whole, as we move forward and even how we are currently practicing, we're more strategic and we're more deliberate in our practice. And that just makes such a big difference. And so I look forward to continue to drilling down and looking at things from big picture and especially for our team, like root cause analysis, when happy incidences occur and things of that nature. So I think the future is really bright. And with the help of our director, we have a better understanding of metrics and their importance. I also think we have a greater opportunity, like we said before, just to participate in posters and abstracts and things like that. Also, to continue to foster really strong relationships with our units as well. What was the most surprising thing you learned from this process? Because now this has been going on for a while and it sounds like it's been really successful. Was anything now that you look back on it, anything that has surprised you? I think the really the most important lesson that I've learned is that it's so imperative to collect data and analyze that data. And it's important to keep track of this information, especially when you're trying to obtain additional positions. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, analyzing data is my favorite thing to do. Definitely not. But I realized I was pushed out of my comfort zone and really for all the right reasons, because we realized so much through this process. And it really was successful. After all that effort, you had great success in getting the resources that you need. What else should we talk about? Anything that I didn't ask you about regarding all the things you've accomplished there or any other words of wisdom for us about getting a new position and onboarding new people and developing them? Anything else, Ekta, that you can think of? I think one thing I'll just say this is just start collecting data if you aren't already. Track your visits, the types of patients that you're seeing. It is most definitely a tedious process, but it does pay off in the end. And I think it's only possible with strong teamwork and patient advocacy and just really working together because we know sometimes it can be really tough and things can really be a challenge. But if we bond together and keep our eye on the prize, anything is possible. So That's what I would say for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was great talking with you. And I really appreciate all the great hints and ideas you've shared with everybody tonight. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk Talk. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast for additional details about this topic and the speakers. You can also get more information about subscribing to this podcast so you never miss an episode and to get the latest news and information from the WOCN Society. Again, that's WOCN.org slash podcast. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Walk Talk. <laughs>